Hello everyone, hello followers, hello listeners. Welcome to Mentally Sounds Life in Lockdown podcast series. My name is Ricky Thamen, I'm your host. Um, we are Mentally Sound, um, so we are a mental health and mental well-being show. So it, as a disclaimer, we will be talking about issues that might be of a trigger or a sensitive nature to you. If that's the case, please, as part of our remit and as our signposting feature, and we do urge you to get you know your nearest help through your GP, through your nearest therapist, and so on. So please do that. Yes, we're at episode 37. Um, a reminder that Mentally Sound, yes, we are originally a radio show, but through the lockdown, well, lockdown year of 2020, but and continuously into 20, 2021, uh, myself and our therapist, Nikki, have decided to do these podcast series. Um, Spice FM very kindly broadcast these as well every Tuesdays at 1 o'clock. Um, that's at 98.8 FM, and this will be going out tomorrow, so we have recorded this fresh. So if you are listening this afresh, we did literally record this last night. Awesome, and you can also listen to us on our social media platforms. Uh, a reminder of what they are. Uh, on our Twitter, we're at underscore Mentally Sound. On Instagram, it's Mentally Sound Radio. And on Facebook, it's Mentally Sound Radio Show. And our Facebook header page, or our announcement page, is where you'll find all our the archives of all these podcasts so i recently updated them so i think they're at episode 35 and i think once we reach uh, the big 40 i'll update them once again so they'll be up there ready for you to listen in thanks very much for joining us um everyone out there um yes yeah, so here we are um i think our, our third show of the new year um we're gonna have an interesting discussion next regarding uh, the charity sector and how that's been impacted in lockdown. In particular, uh, we have a, a third guest um, who was based in Northumberland, uh, Hexham, um, and they are a, a sort of a special needs charity which looks at things like special needs for children, support for parents, for things like autism. Uh, her name is Catherine Miller, and I'll be introducing her into in a second. But first of all, our resident therapist who's been brilliant throughout these podcasts, it's Nikki Robertson. Hello, Nikki. Welcome back. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks. Yeah. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Um, more importantly, I, I heard I heard uh, a rumor that someone had a birthday over the weekend. <laughs> I sure did. Yeah, she kept that quiet, <laughs> listeners. Because uh, <laughs> it's well, been can... it's been a rare birthdays. It was my mum's last week, and it's also um, Sandeep's birthday. It's Sandeep of Spice FM. So if you're listening, Sandeep, happy birthday oh, to you as well. Happy birthday, Sandeep. Yeah. When you get to when you get to my age, you don't exactly tweet about your birthday anymore. <laughs> I think that was I think that was the whole point of social media that you blurted out whenever it comes around. So you just imagine more friends g- giving you all the adulation. <laughs> it was actually a very different birthday this year. Obviously, you know, yeah. being in lockdown, mm-hmm. but um, it was still really nice. I loved it. Got really spoiled by the family. Lots of extra attention. And I think that's the nice thing is that normally you, you'd be quite busy doing all sorts of things or meeting yeah. up with people and meeting doing this and doing that whereas here it was just in the home yeah um, so lots of extra attention which is lovely I love that mm. <laughs> and by Sunday morning because my birthday was on Saturday and by Sunday morning obviously that wore off so mm. I was like um boys how about a coffee in bed no mom it was your birthday yesterday I'm like oh <laughs> shoot <laughs> I mean, I, my my birthday was in July, and to be honest, given the given the past few months that we've had, I can't remember what happened. Um, so what 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 was a what's a lockdown birthday like? R- remind us all, because it it's really quite must be quite surreal. At this point, it's really quite. Um, it's 
it's like our normal weekend day. You know, yeah. there's nothing really open. You can't go for a meal anywhere. You can't grab a coffee anywhere. You can't go to a nice little coffee shop and go mm -hmm. and have a nice cake or anything like that. Um, yeah. There's no one that you can see. Mm. We were lucky that we, um, so I don't know if you know, I'm a twin actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I have a twin brother. So mm. I was able to see him because the restrictions still allow us to do that. And mm. he um, is in our social bubble. Mm. Um, so I was very happy about that. That was it. We yeah. just had him over for dinner, and that was my lockdown birthday. My brother. Gosh, imagine that! That's just suddenly hit me. That imagine being 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 a twin, and your 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 twin brother or sister isn't part of your bubble, isn't nearby, and you can't celebrate with them. That must be yeah. Cause, I know, uh, I know. Yeah. Um, which is something that I'm sure some people have had to face into, mm -hmm. um, and I can only just imagine how difficult that must be. Um, but I guess you could go for a run together. So I know you're a very outdoorsy person. So did you and the family have a like a big walkout sort of one yes. of those? Yeah. Yes. So we went on Saturday. Um, we've got lovely woods just behind me. Mm. We went for a really, really long walk in the woods behind. Um, and it was so picturesque and beautiful because there was the snow was still there and it was melting in oh. place. Um, yeah, it always it always stays up in the hills a little bit longer, doesn't it? Um, where I live, I can see I can see concert, which is technically sort of north part of County Durham, I think. And whenever snow falls, begin with, we always see it there, and it's always the last to go as well. So we're in the urban area where I live, the suburbs. It just, you know, once a, a patch of rain comes up, it's all gone. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know. I know it was really quite interesting, because I think I spoke to someone on Thursday. Because Thursday we had quite a bit of snow, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And I spoke to someone who was in Newcastle town. And, you know, obviously, you know, we're in, you know, this suburbs more rural area here like yeah. i'm up in the farms and um even you know catherine our guest who you know she's just five minutes away from me but mm. the altitude difference there's actually quite a bit of a difference so we'd actually have a um, temperature difference from up where i am to down where catherine actually oh, is right. okay, and um i'd spoken to someone who was in newcastle and i'm like oh i hope you get to enjoy the snow today and, and they were like there no snow here in newcastle and i thought wow you know it's 15 20 minutes drive away yeah it's incredible yeah it is crazy isn't mm. it so as we alluded to before, we have a special third guest and credit to um, Nikki for, for finding her and inviting her on. Uh, her name is Catherine Miller. She, I believe she is the chairwoman of the Tanga charity. It's a Tanga club charity. Is that right, Catherine? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Thank you for having me on. No, you're very welcome. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, just actually half the house recovering from COVID at the moment. Yeah, you, but, you mentioned yeah. that previously in the, in the, in the pre-chat just then. I mean, how... how how have you all been? What's it been like? It's been really um, taxing, but once we got in our rhythm, it was okay. We basically just split the house in two. So um, my son and his dad were upstairs and we were downstairs and um, me and my daughter, Poppy, and we were just bringing things to them and waiting on them hand and foot. My son, Daniel, actually commented that it was like being in a hotel on holiday so he was fine you know they're absolutely fine with the whole thing <laughs> so and they're okay now um dan is 14 and has autism and adhd and mm. he wouldn't actually tell you if there was a problem with it if he unless he got really really poorly yeah um and we had no idea that he had it it's just because um my husband got the symptoms so we took took tests all of us and found that Dan had it as well, so right. a bit of a shock. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, there is the comedy side to it, you know, when people talk about, you know, isolation and 
sliding pizza under the doors and all that sort of thing. But on a serious note, I mean, how was it like really quite frightening at, at, at one point, particularly at the start? I've got to say at the beginning, it was like the first couple of days I spent pretty scared actually i was i was downstairs trying to just hold it together from my yeah. own point of view mm. because both kids the doctor everyone had seen my mother over christmas mm. um and we'd been so careful not to see anybody and we'd closed ourselves off to everybody and everything um how we got it is just i have no idea but my mum's uh, 77 so yeah. we were really worried that she was going to get it but luckily touch what she doesn't seem to have done so I mean, it's been a little while now so hopefully so you say I'm you don't know how how you, you know members of your family con contracted it so it's still a bit of a mystery as to all that yeah yeah exactly yeah mm -hmm. did you say that this was over christmas that um the family got it Catherine? uh well simon and my partner had some symptoms um just before christmas there and he just finished work for Christmas and New Year just to have some time off. And I was quite harsh, actually. And I was saying, you can't flake out on me now because there's all this stuff to do for Christmas. So I was just like, come on. There's and I, I thought it was, well, I, I kind of thought it was this fatigue thing that you get when you finish work. You've been working really hard and then you stop. Yeah. And I thought it was just all catching up on him. But no, it was COVID. <laughs> so we found out on New Year's Day that it was COVID. So I actually felt a little bit guilty that I'd kind of I'd pushed him a little bit. But um but yeah, you know. I can kind of relate where you're coming from because in a sense I mean I wouldn't really describe myself as a very um sort of stern decision making kind of person, but you know, my you know, my, my mum, she's approaching her seventies and um I don't know if Nikki's told you but my family have been impacted by COVID quite 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 badly and okay. I was I was really quite stern in that um you know we have a we have a housekeeper that sort of comes in between um our house and um uh, my uncle's house over in Pontyland mm -hmm. and I even stopped him coming coming over so I was like you know I was kind of I was still being really naive and very 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 harshly um because my my sister lives down in Nottingham and you know I I have a baby niece and of course last year we missed her first birthday and everything and there were plans over Christmas, but I also had to, you know, make that sad decision to, 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 you know, make sad really. But I just thought with everything going on and and with all the, you know, the new variants and it being it more transmissible, it's just a time to be really sort of safe, isn't it? So um, yeah. yeah. But yeah. so thank you very much, Catherine, for coming on. Um, do you want to first of all tell us a bit about how Tanga Club got started and um. Um, of course, it's all very fresh, isn't it? Because we're literally talking around the sort of autumn period of uh, 2019, roughly, yeah. when you started. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's about when we set up, yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I am, you're right, saying I'm chairperson of that club. Mm -hmm. um, we're a registered charity now. That happened pretty quickly within a few months of us um, setting up. Yeah. Um, but back in about the, the summer, autumn time of, of 2019, um, I got together with a group of parents um, in a similar situation to me, had, had children with additional needs. Some of us had children with no additional needs. And we sat down and went, <clears throat> what's wrong with this picture? There's actually nowhere for our kids to go and socialise um, where they're all entertained at once. It was really, really frustrating situation. There are places like quite far away, but that's the problem. You don't want a 45 minute drive without traffic. 
yeah. with a kid with ADHD in the back, it just doesn't really yeah. stack up for a good day. Yeah. Um, so we decided to sit down and just do something about this. And we created Tanga Club, um, which started off as a, so a social group um, for children of all abilities up to about the age of 18. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we welcomed in friends and families and parents and carers. They get the support from each other. And it just grew from there. It's just a, it started off with about, there was about 20, 20 something children came to the first session. And mm -hmm. by the time the lockdown started happening and coronavirus got a bit, uh, a bit iffy there, we were up to about 50 children per session and they were bringing their families and uh, parents and carers as well. So there was upwards of 100 people in the, uh, the Torch Centre in Hexham, which is where we run from, mm -hmm. on a Friday night. And it was just great. It's like a party atmosphere every Friday. No judgment from anybody. If any of the children had sort of tics or any any conditions that, you know, with the greatest mm -hmm. of respect to general society, they might get viewed differently and looked at yeah. strangely or commented upon or anything like that absolutely won't happen at Tanga mm -hmm. um so from there it just really it grew from one thing to another we never wanted to stay just as a group a youth club kind of thing so we decided to do other things as well and we, we set up more of the parent support side mm -hmm. of things mm -hmm. um and now we're just we're just doing loads we've had to shift everything online obviously um but we're, we're trying our best to sort of be there for everybody and we we've got now the children and parents and carers we've got probably i've never i haven't actually sat down and counted everyone up lately but i, I estimate it's probably in the region of about 250 members now okay. so for a, a group that started off you know reasonably kind of small i think we've we've done really well but it shows what kind of need is there for us in such a short space of time, I think that's a brilliant achievement for you guys. Um, I'll ask I'll ask her one question and then I'll allow Nikki to ask one. But you mentioned there about being being in the the town where you are, you know, Hexham, part of sort of Northumberland. And I just wonder, um, you know, you made the point about you know doing the long long drive. I mean, I think um we have talked to similar groups like you that is based in in the centre and you could like the likes of pass it on parents that you might have heard of yeah so mm -hmm. parent support so is what you're saying is is that um where where you guys are based is that i guess in because Northumberland's sort sort of a quite a big region um that services are quite sparse you know all the villages so it kind of makes it difficult for parents to sort of you know go to one point particularly towards the city so your motivation was to set something where where you were yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you're spot on, actually. The um, the services for our families are really, we feel quite hard done by. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not sort of meaning to complain or anything like that, but we are. We're, we're, we're a big geographical area to cover Northumberland, yeah. um, sort of all the way up from Berwick and downwards and across to Morpeth and Ashington, all those places. It's very Newcastle-centric yeah. when you think of the northeast, isn't it? It's <clears> always like the place to... It, it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and when you think of Northumberland, um, all the, the services in Northumberland tend to be centred around where County Hall is, like that kind of area, mm -hmm. and up that coast. So there's quite a lot going on over there. You've got various um, groups and things that are set up. But over here in the West, yeah. really not a lot at all. Mm -hmm. um, and w the way that we've done it, the, the reason why you can see how much it's needed is actually demonstrated by where our members come from where they travel from 
we have people traveling from Morpeth to come yeah. to our group in Hexham. Mm -hmm. We've got people coming from the borders of Cumbria to come to Hexham yeah. for a couple of hours on a Friday night, you know? Yeah. We've got people coming from Gateshead and some in Newcastle mm -hmm. to Hexham. You know, mm -hmm. that's quite a long way really, isn't it? So yeah. obviously we've got a lot in the Tyndale area, but we have people from all of these like outlying areas mm -hmm. just shows that, you know, this is something that is really, really needed. Yeah. And just one more before I bring Nikki in. I mean, you might as well... Um, uh mention how you first first met nikki and and because uh, was it on the school run or ships something like that was the, the school yard <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> yeah so nikki and um and tyler um nikki's son yeah. went to school together so we um i don't know we just connected i guess we we saw each other and we were i, I was drawn to nikki she's that kind of person <laughs> she's a calming influence which is always something i need in my life so yeah, our sons went to, to school in the same class and um, and we just became friends from there, didn't we? Absolutely. And Tyler started talking about this boy, Dan. And I said, well, why don't you invite him over? You know, we'd just moved to England. Um, Catherine was one of the friendly faces on the schoolyard. So you can imagine, you know, moving from a foreign country, <laughs> you walk onto the schoolyard, you have like hundreds of pairs of eyes on you. And there was this lovely warm face, which was Catherine's. So as, um, you know, as she's very kindly said, I have this lovely calming aura, but so does she. So I think we just naturally were attracted to each other in that sense. You know, we just um, had a nice click. And um, you, picked up each you picked up each other's aura is what you're saying. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the more spiritual vibe, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Tyler invited Dan, Daniel home um, and I didn't know D Daniel actually had special needs at all. You know, Tyler never had said anything. He had just seen Daniel. He enjoyed spending time with Daniel and he invited it, him home. And it was only when the teacher came and said to me, that's lovely that um, um, Daniel's coming home with you. It's really important for him. And I thought, oh something different here it's something i should know yeah. and then i think I, ch I chatted to you on the on the school yard and then you mm -hmm. had said to me um you know daniel has special needs and mm -hmm. but you know and this is the one thing i loved about tyler's approach you know he just saw him as a boy that he wanted to spend time with mm -hmm. which i think something like that needs to be happening a lot more you know parents need to be teaching their children this all-inclusive attitude isn't it he just saw him as a boy which was fantastic yeah which links in nicely to what we're doing actually yeah. i guess you can probably take the, the thing with tyler and dan mm -hmm. and apply that whole ethos to tanga as it is yeah. because that's what it is we're fully yeah. inclusive everybody's different but we're all the same in a way you yeah. know so Absolutely. nobody nobody should be viewed differently or treated differently because of you know, because of anything, let's face it. Um, disability is still a bit of a, a taboo subject, but mm -hmm. we're trying to make it so that people can join Tanga. And I, I really, I really want children with no additional needs to come to Tanga and see that there's no taboo around disability. Mm, yeah. We're all, we're all, you know, together, and we all need to support each other. It's, it's, it sounds like it's also about breaking that barrier breaking almost like that stigma barrier isn't it so yeah. that people approach that um, not all-inclusive mindset <clears throat> um, one thing i wanted to ask you just listening to what you were saying and and just really um, hearing those numbers of how quickly you grew and then obviously all your members coming from so far from cumbria now obviously i don't know the geographics as well as other as some of our listeners would but if i remember correctly cumbria is 
45 minutes an hour's drive is that correct yeah, yeah. Really, and as you were saying you know putting a a child who has um additional needs into a car for that length of time can be quite challenging and people are prepared to do that so how is your organization being heard it's very clear that there's a need for it you're probably up against some bigger charities which are getting a lot of um visibility you know in at this current stage it's a very challenging time for charities generally at this you know no matter how big or how small you are you know COVID definitely has brought among a lot of challenges for charities to be able to get support and maybe even to have a voice so how are you guys managing to have your voices heard how are you managing to support your parents how are you managing to stay on top of everything can't be easy but you guys are obviously doing it so yeah I mean it's it's why it's a lot of networking at this point in time um and we have a, a committee we've got we've got some five trustees um on the committee at the moment um uh we're looking for sort of people to join and, and volunteers we're always looking down that road because it's it's hard to keep things going as a small group like that um and really we just all work really really hard to promote it and there's a lot of social media things going on at the moment facebook is absolutely huge facebook's been quite transformational um in the way that we've approached things um it's it's been essential really uh to, to keep it going without that i think things would have been they would have faltered and stalled i think um but it's it's just a case of pushing it out there and trying to tell as many people as possible about what we're doing and it's not because we want numbers or we want to we've got any sort of personal vested interest in anything like that it's literally because we're a group of trustees who just want everyone else to have the benefit of what comes with being a member with tango club i mean when when i set it up i, I sort of looked at it and thought I don't want anyone to struggle the way that I had struggled with my son. Mm -hmm. And and part of the reason was because there was hardly any sort of social opportunities for him and even less so um, opportunities for him and his sister to go to at the same time and and to, to sort of um, interact with kids of all abilities, not just, I mean, Daniel has autism and ADHD. Um, there are groups out there that, that cater for children with autism and ADHD in a, quite a broad sense. Um, but... I don't want things to be sort of limited like that for him. I want him to go out and, and meet everybody, um, you know, and just just experience life a bit more, I guess. Mm -hmm. I really love what you said before about wanting to be more inclusive, where you actually invite children without sort of special needs to come and see mm -hmm. what it's like. Um, I'm not sure I've heard many charities actually do that because a lot of charities are, you know, really quite specific, but you're actually opening the doors a lot a lot further with that which i think is a really good great move um kind of an extension for from nikki's question regarding um you know these are the life in lockdown um, um podcasts so what was it like when you know we were in lockdown and then you had in mind of of what your plans might have been for 2020 and um how if how any of that got thwarted if it got thwarted and amongst all your fellow peers i mean I imagine you had some sort of a meeting, probably over Zoom, as we all are doing. And what was your initial thoughts as to how, how, how to take it through this sort of bizarre period that we've been through? Um, well, really, I mean, 
it was it immediately we all sort of thought social media, Facebook being the one that um, that we use the most, I guess. And we thought, well, we're going to have to move everything online. Mm-hmm. It's not the best format for us as a group for the children to be to be doing zoom clubs and things like that we have done them mm-hmm. and we will do them so that the children can still see each other even if it's just over camera yeah um but it's quite difficult for some of them to engage mm-hmm. um via zoom for parents it's different for parents we can catch up and we can do our support groups online we've got um messenger groups we've got facebook groups uh we're always on the other end of the phone as well our, our parents know they can ask for any of our numbers and they can have them and um and via email as well and we've just you know we just knew that we're going to have to shift everything online and in virtual formats and yet it completely messed up our plans for for what we were going to do with the rest of 2020 and 2021 by the looks so it must have been a huge shift then because i imagine a lot of the 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 training and so forth in dealing with with children with special needs you know i would imagine majority if not all is face-to-face and then having to transfer all of that onto online is, is a huge, huge step. How did you how did you manage that particular aspect? Um, yeah, it's it, it's really tough. Yeah, um, or every you know what a big part of the problem, a big part of the problem was that when this happened, a lot of our families' um, services, therapies, appointments were either cancelled or paired back to the bare minimum mm-hmm. and some of our families just they just can't get on with without sort of personal assistance and mm-hmm. um <clears throat> sorry speech therapists and that type of thing um so we found that we were trying to step in we can't we're not qualified in those areas obviously so we can't replace those services but we can be there as a support and also as an advocate to say to them look try speaking to this department here you need to speak to that person there and tell them what your situation is and if they were not able sort of in a a sort of mental sense to be able to take that step and to be quite forceful because you do have to be quite forceful sometimes to Mm -hmm. to get things moving Mm -hmm. then we would contact those people for them and Mm -hmm. say look can you do something here because this person's actually in crisis now we had people in crisis situations Mm -hmm. um so yeah, it's 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 tough, but yeah. we hope that we can act as a kind of a, a go between there as well. Mm-hmm. So, Catherine, with um, obviously COVID going on as long as it has, or life and lockdown going on as long as it has, you know, Ricky and I always have a little chuckle at the beginning of these podcasts because, um, you know, we initially had always thought that there were only going to be two or three, or maybe four, you know, a series of four podcasts. Yeah. Um, but as he said, you know, it's episode 37. That's a lot more than four. So, and that was the initial um, concern. That was the initial problem that we had, you know, across the country. Um, it was that there was a scaling back of all the services. The services were all shut down. You know, obviously everyone had to recalibrate and find ways to work online. Um and has over the years, so from March last year and taking it all the way now, you know, now we're on tier five um, lockdown. Have you seen a change in this? Have some of the organisations um, in terms of services, have they been able to come back online? Are the parents receiving the support that they need? So, you know, coming almost 10 months down the line where 
legislation's been more inclusive in terms of mental health services. Um, there's been a lot more awareness on it. Um, the organisations themselves have had, you know, been able to adapt and restructure so that they can start getting out there and supporting families in, in certain capacities. Has Have you seen that? Has that changed for you guys? Or do you still have parents who are not getting help and support 10 months down the line? Ten months down the line, it, it seems like this time they, they've obviously done some work, most of right. the organisations in the background, yeah, and there are services there. There may, there may not be the same services that people did have before COVID right. hit, um, but it looks better than it did. But now there is a, a, a different problem because parents are, quite a lot of our parents are parents of children with um, complex health needs uh, so they're, they're sort of clinically vulnerable yeah so it might not be a particularly attractive prospect for for somebody to actually say yes i'm going to put my child back in that respite center once a fortnight for a night or, or something like that because there's a risk now involved with it so i mean you, you can't have it all and I do I do realize how it sounds when I'm saying that yeah they've put some services back in place but do we actually want them now but it just it just shows that how limited they are in their view yeah. of things do you know what I mean it's sort of yeah it, it's either it's either all or nothing yeah um yeah, so I mean, this is obviously as you can, as you're talking, you can hear there's like a range in complexities, isn't it? Mm. And the question only lends to a very limited range, you know. And mm. I know Ricky and I often have this conversation, you know, especially when he'll ask me a question, I always have to be careful on how I answer it because, you know, you're answering it to an audience that could have a wide range. Um, so you have to be quite careful in the advice that, you know, for me, I always find I have to be quite careful on the advice I give out. I have to be quite focused and limited and, and also let people know that that is limited um, advice. So it's, it's good to hear how things are being experienced. Um, and obviously the concerns for the parents, you know, like, do they put their children into respite? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's from what I've just said there with the respite thing. That's actually speaking from my own personal experience because... Mm -hmm. I, I have the option to put Dan in respite care every two weeks. He gets a night away, but you know it's 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 a real worry of whether I actually want to do that or not. Do I feel safe letting him letting him out and letting other people look after him? I don't know for sure. You know, I'm certain they've they've gone through all the risk assessments. They're doing everything that they possibly can in that centre, but. I don't know for certain because it isn't me there with the dead old spray. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not me doing it personally. So for for me, I feel like I just want to keep him at home. And I know that I'm not the only parent that feels that way. Mm. And they are so limited in their response to that because they can't do anything otherwise. It's not I'm not sitting here blaming them or anything like that. They've done everything that they possibly can. Yeah. It's just a really poor situation for us. So a lot of our families have found themselves kind of really stuck indoors, you know, it's more more so than um your average Joe, I suppose. So Catherine, um Focusing now on the sort of range of conditions and disabilities in which the parents' kids have, um, can you sort of, and and you know, be as candid as you like, or if you prefer not to talk as much, you know, it's completely down to you in terms of how comfortable you are. But, um, and in regards to your own son as well, you I think you mentioned has autism and ADHD, yeah. 
So what are the what are the range of conditions that you see at at your centre? Um, well, because we sort of cater for everything, or we try to, um, we've got children with um, a range of, of sort of there are children with a lot of children on the autistic spectrum. Mm. That's um, that seems to to be a lot of children diagnosed with that. Mm. Um, ADHD is also quite a common thing that we see, um, but we have children with. Um, there, there are children with cerebral palsy mm. and there are children with Down syndrome. There are children with acquired brain injuries. Mm. There are children who have um, complex mental health problems, but are not necessarily diagnosed with anything. They're just sort of that they might be vulnerable because of circumstances in their life or something like that. So yeah. really, we have um, a huge huge spectrum of, of kids from all different backgrounds and abilities coming to the club. Was that in itself when you were getting all these sort of you know children coming to your to your to your center was in from what you described all, all the range of, of conditions there it must have been quite overwhelming but yet at the same time it must have felt quite rewarding as well that, that you're at least providing a place where they can feel, you know feel like home or a second home as it were it was excellent. I mean, it's tiring. We, we run in, as I mentioned, the Torch Centre in Hexham, which is a mm. really quite big building inside. And we started off just taking the main hall, which is, it's like a huge sports hall. And we started off just taking the main hall. And then by week two, we realised we needed another room on the on the end of it. Mm. Um, and within a couple of weeks, um, maybe three, four weeks, we were hiring the entire centre. So there are one, two, three, four or five rooms in the torch center and we just we needed the whole lot so we have the the main hall which was like sports things and art and craft and mm. all of like anything you can think of train sets lego all of that stuff all out in the main hall um and then we have a specialist sensory room that we put in a lounge we made it like a quieter room we got some funding for some really good sensory equipment so some of our children who have um then they might be more sensory in in terms of they're on the autistic spectrum or mm. some of the children who have more complex needs mm. and like to see lights and and hear sounds and smell smells and things yeah. like that they would they would sort of be attracted to that room mm. and then we've got a gaming room for the children who prefer to go and play on a playstation or um it's the nintendo switch seems like the most popular thing in there um and there's also a pool table and We've got um, virtual reality headsets mm. in one of the other rooms now as well. So we've tried to sort of cater for everyone. So it felt a little bit overwhelming to begin with, but all of us just sat there and went, nobody's really done this before. Why not? Mm. You know, and the more people came to visit us, the more people went, why has no one done this before? You know, so we're really proud that Brilliant. actually we've yeah. gone ahead and done it. You should be proud. Um, just an extension of that question and I'll allow Nikki to come in. Um and what's what I was gonna say? What's the response been in terms of like the local community when, um, you know, if you ever had to put a call out for things like donations and you mentioned all the the various toys and things, um, were they all sort of donated by local community or, or some of them or, I mean, what what was the response like? You know, I imagine it would have been quite quite nice, wouldn't it? Was, it? Yeah, it was. It was good. We we started off. Um, we did ask for some donations to begin with, and we got a lot of donations in. Mm -hmm. Um, we uh. As a team of trustees, we were so passionate about what we were doing and we believed in it so much that we actually initially put our own hands in our pockets to an mm -hmm. extent just to, to make it work, you know. But 
it didn't take long to prove that there was a need there for it. And as, as soon as you've proven a need, it's it's easier and easier and easier to get funded get from funding, places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was really good. And um, another thing, because we're totally different, like I think anyway, we're totally different from other groups. So we, we do um, Greg's food. We, we got a, a thing with Greg's where we pick up the food from them. I go to Newcastle to pick it up. And then we come along to Hex and we put all this Greg's food out. And the kids, uh, we also provide a healthy option, I'm going to say as well. Yeah, I'm <laughs> you know, we... raising my eyebrows. <laughs> I know, Nikki's, Nikki's thinking donuts. <laughs> no, we're like, yeah, we do. We do have donuts. I'm not raising my eyebrows. As long as there's vegan sausage rolls on there. I'm, I, oh, there's I'll, vegan I'll... sausage rolls. Ricky's yes. happened to tell me in a private conversation, so I'm not going to repeat it, but he has for breakfast and he saw the horror in my face. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that you have healthy oh, yeah, options. I don't think it was that bad but anyway <laughs> we do we have the healthy options as well because you know we we have to do that we can't just yeah um but also we've got a, a barber believe it or not that comes uh -huh. out every two weeks because one thing with um children there are a lot of children in our group that have sensory issues and they hate having their hair cut mm -hmm. and we've got this barber um our our secretary natasha her husband andreas is a barber and uh -huh. he um he cuts hair of, of lots of children with special needs mm -hmm. so he comes to the club every couple of weeks and they line up and they have their, they have their hair cut oh. Oh, wow. as well as coming to play it's great it's really Excellent. good that's brilliant mm -hmm. so i do have a question actually so um is it am i correct in thinking since last march till now you've not you've had to close doors and not be able to open and offer any of your services so any well with um apart from the face-to-face -face support groups because in the time um since march um we've actually believe it or not we've we've opened an office in hexham we, we call it the hub because yeah. it's a hub of services for um families in our position kind of thing um so we we do actually that's in the community center in hexham and we do as soon as it goes to tiered restrictions rather than as, as in tier four or less uh, we can offer a face-to-face -face support group in the community center um as long as that's open um aside from that it's all online at the moment but we've we've got loads of things planned and loads of things that we're going to be running out of that hub <laughs> so mm -hmm. so yeah okay because that was that was my thinking is is that um you know you were you able to offer some small face-to-face -face groups? Because I think the number is maxed at 15, I think. Yeah, we've got um, we've got plans now in place. We were actually supposed to be opening back up on the 8th. That was that was meant to be the thing. And then this happened. Um, but that's fine. We've got the we've got the plans in place to be able to open the club back up. And we've got a rotor set up and risk assessments done and everything. But as you say, it's maxed at 15 kids at the minute. So we once we get a bit more information about where we're going with this and what it's going to look like, we'll then contact our parents and say, we've put the kids in bubbles as it is. Mm -hmm. And would your child like to join this bubble? It will be this night and then it'll be on a road of basis. Cause yeah. we've got I mean, as you said, you've got five different rooms there. So you would be able to, you know, rotate people quite safely. We will be able to have, um, the main hall we're planning on, on having the children in the main hall with 
sort of like a mini club because the main hall is absolutely huge mm -hmm. so we'll be able to put aspects of the club in various areas in the main hall yeah. and then we're going to have the parents in an anti-room separately we'll have to have them separately mm -hmm. um so they'll be able to still access the support and you know the, the contact that they need but they'll be more amenable to wearing masks and things like that and we'll be able to space them out and yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff so got to be very careful about how we do it but it is possible and the plan is there so yeah i mean i, I just just whilst you were answering that last point there catherine um um with with things like social distancing how how much of that an issue regarding you know ch children with additional needs is it hard to maintain particularly really hard yeah um i'm guessing um places like schools probably have similar issues mm -hmm. um you know there's just that human urge isn't there to yeah. be in contact with someone and some of our children some of them not particularly interested in being around in close proximity to each other but some of them just want to hug you all the yeah. time yeah. so that can be yeah it can be really really difficult so it's um it's a question of being down to the, the choice of the parents and carers, whether mm. they feel comfortable actually letting their child come along to the club. Mm. They know us, they know that we will be completely serious about, about safety and everything like that. And we'll take every step that we can to keep everyone safe. And we'll use the yeah. biggest room possible, which, you know, I think in, in that main hall, even 15 kids, it, they'll rattle around in there. It's huge. I so. mean, it, it sounds like a wonderful place from what you described. I mean, you know, main, and I'd love to see it, hopefully not too long in the distant future, depending on what happens, of course. But, you know, myself and Steve, we... Before before we became ill, we were doing like a roadshow thing, so we would actually visit uh, the places of a lot of our guests. So I think somewhere somewhere like yours would be a great place to actually do a show oh, in the future. Yeah. That would be awesome. Um, my my question is my next question is Catherine. Regard you know, before you set this this sort of enterprise up, um, I want to know what from a parent's point of view, how's it been for yourself and your your team, particularly regarding parents' mental health and given the, the sort of um, challenge that you've had to deal with yourself. I mean, has that been a sense of peer support amongst the parents themselves when you when you decided to do this, that you can share about your experiences and how hard it's been and, and draw some sort of comfort and share, shared understanding amongst what you've been through? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I already ran um, a support page on Facebook for um, parents of children with ASD or autism spectrum disorder and mm -hmm. ADHD mm -hmm. so I'd had a bit of experience from that and done a couple of support groups a few support groups actually where we've met up and we find that there's there's no that no one understands your situation better than somebody who's in a similar situation yeah um so in in doing tanga yeah that was like it was one of the main aims of what we were trying to do mm. was to put a great big support network in place mm. and we found now i mean i had a, a support group that i did online last week and um our parents are sort of are so thankful that like one of the girls said i finally found my people which is fantastic wow. um and we find that there's so many of us now that it's it's not even just a strength in numbers thing it's actually you can come to Tango or be part of one of our groups and you can be the anonymous parent if you want to be because if you walk into any playground in the UK, you can stand and just sort of fade away if you don't, if you don't want to talk, you know? Mm -hmm. You can be that anonymous parent. But mm -hmm. when you are in a mainstream 
playground and you are the parent of the child who has behavioral challenges, you can't be anonymous. So the fact that we can do that in Tanga is, it's a huge, huge bonus. And I just, you know, I love that we can do that and I'd love for other people to be able to join as well and and benefit from that too. Nikki, do you want to say something? Is it also possible, Nikki, if you want to talk about um, um, the, the stress management sort of and anxiety, of course, what oh, you were yeah. doing with Tanga? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, it, Catherine got in touch with me last year. Um, obviously, she was concerned about, so I think it was May last year, if I'm not, if memory serves me correctly, yeah. May. Um, and really Catherine was concerned about the parents and the carers um, of the organization and how they were managing, you know, the stress of, you know, COVID life, you know, we were in lockdown. And as you just said, just a little while ago, you know, dealing with challenging situations, suddenly being at home, losing the the care, losing respite care, losing these services that would have been there. And this was taking a huge toll on the on parents as well as the carers and she got in touch and asked if I could put together a well-being course so I put together a um, stress and anxiety management course and ran over four weeks where they had to do all sorts of activities so we had a little mindfulness aspect to it Um, there was some breathing techniques um, there was a bit of journaling there was all sorts of things a little bit of a self-care component as well Um, and that was all delivered online for the organization and they had access to it for a couple of months if i remember correctly and um just some great feedback from from you guys um so how obviously um you know reaching out having the course what was it's it's clear that you are a very compassionate person. You could see, you obviously hearing from the messages that were coming through from the parents that you were having to deal with, that they were really struggling at that period of time. And I'm not certain, has that, has that actually changed? I think the situation's the same. You know, I'm not certain that levels turned down. But how did you feel that the course worked for them? Um, it was great. I mean, at Tanga, we like to do things a bit differently, as I'm probably, it's probably coming across. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, when we thought about about the um, the wellness course that you did, we thought about what actually alternative kind of ways of dealing with things rather than um, going traditional routes or sitting there googling things or you know trying to trying to do things yourself. So what had happened was, um, well, a few things had happened. The, the, a lot of parents um, of our children were a really bad state by this point it had been quite a long time in lockdown by this point um and what had happened was one of our group had had bumped into a parent in a shop and this parent had been extremely distressed and we just you know that was the point where we thought we really have to do something here and what can we do um and i'm a big believer in mindfulness and and um meditative meditative techniques and that type of thing um to try and ground yourself and and pull yourself around i think you, you have to kind of start with yourself don't you and um, that's my attitude anyway um, well that is that saying you know you put your mask on yourself first yeah yeah exactly exactly so we we got in touch with you and it needed to be a bespoke course it wasn't something that we could go oh hey guys just go and have a look on youtube at this person they're doing some mindfulness techniques it had to be something that was actually catered for um for our families and 
obviously we let you know what the issues were um you asked about was it stress and anxiety and we said yeah there's what you could do with some breathing techniques and all of that sort of stuff and then you formulated that around that and the best thing about it well i mean it would have ideally it would have been great to do it live and all sit together and all be together but that's the, the nature it was one of the challenges wasn't <laughs> just, yeah. that's why we did go for an, an online course rather than um doing a course because we were going to do a course a face-to-face -face course but that was the challenge of obviously getting everyone's times together yeah yeah time management is an issue um, in our families, it's difficult to get any time really um, to yourself quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so it was it was excellent just being able to take your time with it and and do it in your own in your own time. Um, and it was it had real great benefits for people. And um, like I say, we got great feedback. And it was something different that other groups maybe hadn't thought about doing. You know, but but again, I do. I feel sometimes I think, well, why haven't you thought about doing that? You know, but that's where we'll we'll fill that gap. I think that the problem is always going to come down to um, funding and priorities. You know, when we're in a, an environment that's changing so quickly, and you just think the last couple of weeks how quickly our environment has changed. You know, we went from all heading towards the end of, you know, or heading towards Christmas, feeling also enthusiastic because we were going to be seeing our families. And then from the 19th to the 30th to the 5th of January, look at how boom, boom, boom. It was almost like the shutters came down, you know, and our environment changed so quickly. So, as, you know, every organization, as soon as your environment starts to change, you have to reprioritize very, very quickly. And everyone is so aware of it mental health and how important it is and this whole show is about mental health and that's really what our passion here is is to help you know raise the awareness make people aware of what's out there you know signpost help people where we can but you know organizations again have to restructure so many things so quickly and something like that even though they know is important sometimes does get you know I'll, I'll do this tomorrow and i'll do this tomorrow and i'll do this tomorrow but um I'm a big believer in that if we don't start focusing on people right now, mm -hmm. you know, where are we going to move to in life? Yeah. Don't start focusing. Like, I think every single organization, ourselves, you know, as individuals, we really need to start taking this time to focus on ourselves because if we don't you know the self-care if we don't start looking after ourselves what's going to happen to our tomorrows mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i say we're, we're reaching near the end the last few minutes it's been wow. a it's been a really insightful brilliant podcast i don't know i don't think you've you've not done this sort of thing before have you Catherine? is this your first no. Well, I can say you 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 spoke very well, so so kudos. Oh, thank you. Kudos to you. Um, I know you wanted to uh, the final words to you. Uh, I know you wanted to mention um, regarding carers and their pay and uh, issues about the rollout of the vaccine. Do you want to sort of like, um, well, if you want to rant, you're more than welcome to because I allow that in my podcast. But you had issues that you wanted to, you wanted to clear up, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, there is something actually with the um, with the vaccine rollout and everything. Um, up until, oh God, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, unpaid carers didn't even, we, we weren't even on the list of mm -hmm. when we were getting our vaccines. Now, that's obviously a problem which they've rectified now mm -hmm. um, because, uh, you know, a lot of what I mean by unpaid carers is people who can't work because of their caring responsibilities. Yeah. 
um, without whom the, the child or the person, in fact, it doesn't necessarily need to be a carer of a child. It just needs to be someone who cares for someone else. If that person falls ill, um, then the person they're caring for has, you know, they're in serious trouble. And there's a lot of young carers out, I think there's a lot of young carers out there which don't, doesn't yeah. often get voiced, uh, you know, the people who look, kids who are looking after, you know, vulnerable parents and so forth, you know, there needs to be a voice for them as well. That's right. That's right. I mean, it can just be any any kind of carer, really. So, I mean, when when they're talking about the vaccine rollout, they're talking about um, adult carers of children or adults or, you know, something along those lines. That Because as far as I'm aware, there's no plans to vaccinate children under 16 at the minute. I don't mm. think I don't think they even factor in it at the moment. But in terms of the vaccine for carers, I've seen a lot of um, things going around online saying, great news, everyone, you're now on the list. We're at number six. It's a bit down there, but at least we're on there. Um, you're at number six. So, you know, just sit tight. Don't don't contact anyone because they'll contact you for your appointment. You've heard that. Yeah, like mm. don't, don't phone them. They'll phone you kind of thing. Mm. What they've omitted from that information is that if you are not actually specifically coded as a carer on your GP record, they have no way of telling that you're a carer and the system right. will not pull that information out. So you yeah. can sit there thinking, okay, I'm just waiting for my appointment coming through. It'll never come if you're yeah. not coded as a carer. So I spoke to my GP surgery about this because I was curious as to how they knew I was a carer and it turns out they didn't. So nice. so now I'm coded as a carer and, you know, I'm, I'm a charity leader. I've chair of two charities actually concerned with children with special needs. So they didn't know I was a carer. So that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I asked the surgery though, and obviously at this point in time, they don't want loads of people ringing up. So they've said, can you get people to email them mm -hmm. um, if they're a carer? Now, they don't need to be claiming carer's allowance. They just need to have that caring responsibility. And if, that, if you felt ill as a carer, the person you're looking after would be um, in serious trouble kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because um, <clears throat> they've got that vulnerability, but I would strongly, strongly urge everybody to contact their GP surgeries via email and just double and triple check that they are specifically coded as a carer, as a carer or yeah. as I say, that invite for the vaccine will not come. Right. Well, great that you got the word out. Um, well, it's yeah, as we say, we're, we're nearing the uh, the end here. Um, thanks for coming on, Catherine. It's been really insightful to learn about. Tanga Club and all the amazing um, work you've yeah. done in such a short space of time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm what sure. What a dynamic group you guys are. Yeah, <clears> I can't. <throat> I can't wait to, to come down. Actually, is it? Um, the last time I was in Hexham was was around. I saw a gig at the Queen Queen's Hall Arts. Is it? Is it sort of? Oh near, yeah. Is it near around there, roundabout? So. Hexham's a fairly small place. It's just um actually the Torch Centre is just opposite the hospital. Just as you come in okay. Hexham, so yeah, it's just there. But if if anyone, by the way, wants to follow us or look us up on Facebook, I was about to ask that. So yeah, <laughs> share share out your contact details for anyone listening who'd love to get in touch, particularly people who live out in the Northumberland way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So on Facebook, we're known as Tanga Hexham, okay. um, and then I think on Twitter it's at club underscore Tanga, and then um, email is the Tanga Hub at gmail.com excellent excellent as i say yes and i'm sure that i mean i when 
when Nikki mentioned uh, uh, that a lady by the name of Catherine be coming from Tanga, then your name come up. So I think a relative good Google search will find you guys as well as well. Yeah, I think listed. So awesome! Uh, that's been a really fun episode. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks again, Catherine. Thanks as ever, Nikki. Um, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I think that the issue around uh, additional needs regarding children, especially in in this pandemic, is enormously important. So. Thank you, Catherine, for, for getting the word out there. So, excellent. So, my name's Ricky Thamen. Uh, you're listening to Mentally Sound Life and Lockdown podcast. Stay tuned for the next show and join us again next week. Thank you very much. Bye, Catherine. Bye, Nikki. Bye. Bye. Bye.